Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I uh, deal with the subject of watch your steps. Uh, deals with uh, <clears throat> the issue as it relates to overcoming uh, challenges or barriers in our lives. I've been around long enough and going on 30 years now. Can you believe it that we have been together? And I've watched some of you in this room and some of you listening online right now go through some pretty serious circumstances. I've been with some of you and prayed with you when your business was really, really struggling and when you wondered if you were going to meet payroll, wondering if in fact you were going to be able to reach the volume that you needed to reach in order to not have to dip into savings and pull out uh, more capital that you had reserved and it was a it was a challenging moment. I've been with some of you because you lost a child and we were there and uh, think, wow, how unbelievable is that in that experience? I've been with some of you who went through a divorce, broke your heart, tore your heart out. In reality and going through the maze of days, days turned to nights, nights turned to days. When you're going through those kinds of circumstances, you don't often sleep and you don't get any rest and yet you know you have to deal with life itself and it really is a challenge from time to time i've been with some of you when financial reverses hit you uh, personally and as a result of that uh, you're thinking we're going to lose our house and we're going to lose some other things and some of you in fact did we've been through those kind of things that's a part of life and just saying that is a bit glib well that's life the bottom line is it hurts. Amen? It's difficult. Been with some of you and a loved one that has been uh, not able to function or to be able to go or be able to, to do all the things that they once did and still hanging on to the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. The real challenge is we're going to face those kind of things whether you're a believer or not. You're going to face them if you're a believer. You're going to face them if you're a non-believer. And it's a whole lot easier when you know that you have the solid foundation found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this process, we know that um, there have been times in all of our lives that we had plans. And we go through seasons. And um, sometimes your plan goes sour. Sometimes your best effort and all the commitment that you have made uh, has not paid off. You had a business plan, maybe in your business, and boy, it fouled up. You had a program uh, seasoned for retirement, and boy, the market went uh, way south on you. You think, wow, looks like I've got to start again. And sometimes you spend hours like preparing for a big party and getting ready. And we know in the Bible there was an incident where, in fact, they had declared we're going to have a great feast, and, and no, one, uh, no one came that had the invitation. And when that happens, you'd think we sent, we did a lot of things, and we should have had a great crowd, but it, but it didn't happen. And then you spend hours trying to figure out what went wrong. What is it that we did or did not do that it just didn't come through? Was it a lack of information? Was it that uh, the invitations were not mailed out? And it leaves you wondering why what you planned, what you anticipated. It's like having a promise from God and you've stood on that promise. As a matter of fact, when every other century left their post, you stayed. You stayed when it rained. You stayed when it was snowing. You stayed when it was sleet. You stayed when the sun was beating down. You stayed and others nonchalantly just left the post and gave up. But you didn't. You stood. 
And then when that happens, you think, well, God, why didn't that work out? How is it supposed to be? Our text is that wonderful example of what it means to struggle, struggle in a spiritual journey. In a spiritual journey. God, I'm on my way to heaven, and I want to accomplish as many things that I can accomplish, but some days it's hard. Some days getting to get up, to be able to go up, is difficult. And we think, wow, we begin to look at other people and say, well, they seem to be doing pretty good, and they're not nearly as committed as, uh, as I am. And you planned big, and you anticipated God to move in a wonderful way, because everybody said that God does the impossible, but it hasn't come to pass in your regard, and just at the right time, someone gives a testimony, oh, look what the Lord has done for me. And the enemy sets on your shoulder and says, yeah, look what the Lord did for them, but he didn't do anything for you. You see, it seems like sometimes that everything that we do when we're in motion to accomplish God's plan, God's purpose in our lives, that it seems like that everything that we do sometimes goes down the tubes. But Joshua is in that kind of situation. He's in a situation that the people of God were promised the land of plenty. Okay, I got that, God. Moses, my servant, is dead. I understand that. And now you put the reins of leadership in me, so kind of help me out. You promised you would help me out. You promised that if I just remain courageous, you promised if, if I believe, you promised me if I was the sentry at the post and I didn't leave, that you'd give me favor. You promised if I tithe, that God, you would meet my prayer. You promised if I faith, I, I fasted and prayed, and nothing happened. They waited for more than 40 years, this group of people, to see that promise fulfilled. Joshua had assumed critical leadership. He didn't ask for the job. He was picked by God to do it. And the people were nervous and anxious because if you don't perform, if you don't get the job done, if you don't do what you say you're going to do and you're supposed to be the leader, Joshua, it's all your fault and nothing is happening right now. And they must say, here's what we have to do. We got to conquer Jericho. But we haven't been in a battle in forever. When is the last city that we conquered? All we've ever done is walk around like a jigsaw puzzle out there in the wilderness wondering if we're going to get today's loaf of bread, you know, and maybe get a quail or two. And now we got to conquer a city. You made a promise, and now we we don't have any fighting instruments or anything of that nature. God steps forward and said, you don't need a spear. You don't need a wagon. You don't need a chariot. Listen, if you just pay attention to what I tell you to do, I will bring it to pass. Hello. Hello. What about this, God? Ordinary, normal people, when they go to conquer something, they have some tool in their hand. Oh, don't worry about it, boys. You got me. Yep. You got me. All right. Now, let me ask you this question. How are you going to build your faith on you got me? How are you going to build your faith on, well, I've been asking for a lot of things. I got you and I haven't seen much result. You said it's going to get better. Trust me. You ever had anybody tell you that? Just trust me. Just trust me. You see, how do you break that barrier? How do you as a believer and as a follower that's committed to Jesus Christ, committed to the church, 
committed to your family, committed to others, friends that you have, how do you break the barrier? When you have touted God is able, when you've said he is enough, when you've said if you got Jesus, you got more than enough, we are more than conquerors through him. Well, how, how do you, when you've touted that and you have an unfulfilled promise and you've prayed and prayed for an answer, hello, nothing up there. You planned and worked out, worked without the results. I worked hard, God, and there, there was nothing, just worked hard. In my uh, senior year of high school, I was in the FFA, Future Farmers of America. Can you imagine that? I was president of the uh, class. Imagine that. And you had to have a project. And so I thought, uh, you know, I'm going to plant some squash, crooked neck squash. How many of you know that there are different ty- types of squash? May I see your hand? So at any rate, I did. I had a little acre of land, took that off, told my dad, hey, I'm going to get an acre of land here, get the tractor out, plowed it under, and did all the things you're supposed to do, till the soil, fertilized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Took the, uh, the row tractor and built the rows and then put the seeds for the squash in the ground. I thought, that's good. Now I need a little rain here, God. I need a little rain. I'm a high school kid. I need some rain, Lord. I put the seed in the ground. I don't have a sprinkler system. Give me some natural stuff. I waited and waited and waited. Now, I don't mind telling you, I had a lot of faith the first day or two. But after about the five or fifth or sixth day, my faith got really weak. Ha! About the seventh day or so, I mean, it rained. I said, God, I knew you would. I knew you would. How many understand that? I knew you would. Well, here's the deal. It grew. Actually, I was shocked. I had plants, and they blossomed, and they bloomed, and all of a sudden, I've got a little squash that are showing up by the thousands. I thought, I'm going to make a bucket load of money. I mean, they got big. They're absolutely beautiful. I have sprayed properly, kept the insecticides out there. God's given me the rain when I needed it, and it became time for harvest, and I am ready to harvest. I've already got the money in the bank. How many of you know what it's like to count your chickens before the egg hatches? You ever done that? Don't build your life on that, friend. Let me encourage you, wait till the egg hatches. So here we go. Harvest time, two days away. Got some of my buddies from school. We're going to take that acre of land, box it up, haul it to the farmer's market. Wouldn't you believe that a day before harvest time, we had a freeze that dipped to 29 degrees there in good old Eagle Lake, Florida. And I went out to my little squash patch, my acre, and my squash looked contorted like my face does. I thought, something has happened to you. You took one and cut it open. There was ice on the inside. And the Lord spoke to me. Are you ready to go in the ministry now? Because you're sure not a farmer. (laughs) How many know you understand that? It's like, God, I worked. I followed the book. I listened to the counsel. I listened to the advice. I prayed, and I needed your help. And it did not work. So Joshua was chosen. He assumed the leadership. He's done everything right. They must conquer Jericho. 
okay? I have resolved myself to the task that just maybe we can conquer Jericho. Just maybe, with a little bit of help from here and there, and with a little bit of prayer, we can, we can do it. They come to the conclusion that that is possible. But another problem surfaces. I want you to look at the Jericho or the Jordan River. I want you to take a look. Two weeks ago, there was nothing to it. Now it's at flood stage when we're supposed to take on Jericho. How in the world? We don't have a bunch of Navy sailors around here. We don't have boats. We don't have rowboats. We don't have canoes. We don't have anything that is water worthy. Now you want me to conquer Jericho and yet the Jordan River is over the flood banks. Now what? Does anybody resonate with that? One problem leads to another. What kind of leader are you going to be? How are you going to decide? You've got the word from God to do it. How are you going to be able to say, we're going to keep this family together no matter what? What are you going to do? So we're, we're, going, to, we're going to resolve this marriage issue. We're going to stay together no matter what. One way or the other, we may lose a few things, but we are committed to each other and committed to God and committed to our church. We're not shaking loose. We made that commitment to do what we needed to do. How do you break it? To be able to break the barrier of an unfulfilled promise and pray for an answer. And there is an answer that is available to all of us. And here's what the Bible says. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, the day of unfulfilled promises comes, you might be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you just stand and say, God, I know Jericho's waiting on us. And now I see the Jordan River. Now I've got two things I've got to go through. But here's what I do know. I'm going to stand in the promise and the favor that I have from you. How many of you, you, when you understand that and you say, God, listen, and God's looking at you and say, you're a key person, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand? Are you going to show off your faith? Are you going to run? You're going to be a chicken? You're going to hide? You're just going to melt down? Or are you going to stand and say, it does not matter what comes my way. Here's what I do know. I have the Word of God that says we will do this. I have the Word of God that He will be with us and one way or the other we will succeed by the grace of God. How many knows what that feels like in your spirit? One way or the other, we will make it. One way or the other, you're not afraid. It was a February evening. Louise heard the rustling outside her kitchen window. She window. She just cleaned up the supper dishes. She lived there in Tennessee. She and her husband. And in fact, they had heard on the television that there had been five prisoners that had escaped from the Pillow State Prison there some 25 miles away. So she was a little bit on edge, and she said to her husband, Nathan, when she heard that rustling of leaves outside, thought she saw something, wasn't sure, continued to look out, and she went into the den area to where Nathan was, and he said, Nathan, um, what, what would we do if those men came here? 
And Nathan said, well, I'll tell you, Louise, what we would do. We would just, we'd do what they said. We'd just be obedient. We'd, if they told us to let, we'd just do it. Well, that did not resonate with Louise. And so she thought, that's, that's not how I feel. So they went to bed, got up the next morning. She's cooking breakfast. She's cooking breakfast, and there's bacon, of course, being fried. There are eggs that are being fried. There's grits on the stove there. She's got hot coffee. She's got homemade jelly and jam. She's got homemade big old biscuits in the oven about to get ready to bring them out to serve. Anybody hungry? They've got homemade butter from Elsie the cow out in the barn. And she hears, hears her husband's voice, Nathan, Louise, hurry, come here. She was talking to her friend on the phone as she was preparing breakfast. She said, something's wrong. Call the police. Bye. She went on the porch, stood a tall young man. He was one of the five escapees. He was muddy, was wet tired, and he had a shotgun on Nathan. That shotgun was there. I want to I borrow your truck. I need to get out of here. Nathan said, let me, let me get the keys. He said, sir, you better return. He turned the shotgun to Louise. Nathan left to go get the keys. Louise said to that young man, listen to me, young man. There's not going to be any trouble in this house. This house belongs to God. We dedicated to Jesus Christ. And here's what I know. I'm a good Christian woman. By that time, they had walked inside, and she said, you put that gun down. I am not going to tolerate that. She walked and took a step toward him. He said, you better get back. She said, I'm, I'm not getting back. I'm a woman of faith. You're going to have to do one of two things. You're either going to have to run, or you're going to have to shoot me. Do you understand? I know you're tired, and I know you're weak, and I know you're weary, but there's not going to be any bloodshed in my house. Now, sit down. To his amazement, he sat down. He said, you sound like my grandmother. My grandmother raised me. She says, now, have you had breakfast? He said, no, ma'am, I haven't eaten in three days. She said, I've got breakfast ready for you. She turned, and she went back to the kitchen. He could see her. She cracked open a few more eggs, called him over to the table, and he began to eat like he hadn't eaten in three days. She's sitting and talking to him. Nathan comes back. He's afraid to walk into the door. He heard Louise boss the guy around. He looks, the gun is over on the counter now. He's wondering what in the world went wrong. Louise said, listen, my family taught me, my preacher, my daddy taught me, you don't run from difficult situations. And that young man was eating, and she said, tell me about your grandmother. He told about his grandmother. He said, she was a godly woman like you. She said, you know what? You need Jesus, don't you? He said, ma'am, Jesus doesn't care about me. She said, yes, he does. Do you think you came to my house by accident? Did you ever think a woman an old woman would give you direct orders like I gave to you? He says, no, ma'am, I sure didn't. She said, God's in the house. She said, you want to give up, don't you? He said, ma'am, if I give up, they'll kill me in a moment. She said, no, they won't. <coughs> they won't kill you. 
because there won't be any problems in this house. He said, I'm ready to give up. A few minutes later, they handcuffed him and took him back to jail after she prayed the sinner's prayer with him. They interviewed her on television and radio, you can just imagine. <coughs> and they asked Louise about the event. They said, how's it going? About a week later, she said, well, things are pretty well back to normal now, except that I've gotten a little more attention than an old country woman should ever have to go through. What was the difference in that situation? Who knew what the outcome would be? Would he really shoot her? Were the shotgun shells in the shotgun? Did he know how to use the gun? Could she bluff her way and make him put the gun down? You never know. And you would have never known had Louise not been willing to do something out of the ordinary. I don't advise you to do it. But in her situation, God's hand was on her for a purpose. Now here's the point. When God gives you direction and puts something in your heart and gives you a brief dream, gives you a plan, and puts it in your heart, with that comes an anointing that is strong enough to be challenged, that is strong enough to stand the test if you're willing to take the step forward. But what causes you to take the step forward? And here it is. You have to consecrate yourself. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord is going to do amazing things. Well, is he really? Yeah, tomorrow it's going to happen. Joshua issued that order. We are going to conquer Jericho and we're going to overcome the Jordan River there. And they're about to face death or they're about to face victory, one or the other. But you won't ever know unless you take the step of faith. But before you do, be sure you consecrate, that you get along with God, you reveal your heart, and victory will not be led by human intellect or strength or personality or savvy. It'll come as a result of leaning on the Lord and saying, God, if I died right now in my heart of hearts, I have nothing that I have to ask you to take out of my life. I consecrate to your will and your purpose. We understand breaking the barriers is doing that. It means dedicate yourself to the task, perfect yourself, and set yourself apart. And here's what we're missing far too often in church families, is there's not enough time for the family to consecrate themselves and set apart to hear, thus saith the Lord. Here's another thing that I think is important, number two, be courageous. Not only consecrate, but be courageous. You see, tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go stand, go stand in the river. That is, you have to be courageous. Stand there and say, I can do it. Adrian Rogers, I visited with him one whole day a number of years ago. Of course, you know that he's deceased now. His programs are still on television, though. 
But Adrian Rogers used to tell about a man who bragged that he'd cut off the tail of a man-eating lion with his pocket knife. He told that story, he said, that man said he took the tail of that man-eating lion just with his pocket knife. And someone asked him why he hadn't cut off the head of the lion. And the man replied, because someone else had already done that. (laughs) That's brave, isn't it? Be courageous. I'll take the tail off because his head is already gone. God, I'll take that step of courage if you give me a sign. You know what God's saying to you? Why should I give you a sign when I've asked you for absolute obedience? Obedience and faith gets the job done. So here's what I want you to do. One, I want you to follow the ark. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lead not to your own understanding. Number two, step into the water. Step into the water. Hebrews 11, verse 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Number three, fear nothing. Louise said, put that gun down. There's not going to be any trouble in this house. The young man thought he was in control until someone seemed to be more confident and more in control than he was. And now what do you do? He put the gun down. Fear nothing, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love, here's perfect love. Perfect love has the ability to create action. Perfect love, the action that's there. One summer evening, it was raining and thunderstorms and lightning, and mom was tucking in her little boy into the bed. And she was about to turn and turn the light off. And the little boy with a tremor in his voice said, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight here in my room? And mom smiled and gave him a reassuring hug. And she said, I can't, sweetheart. I have to sleep with daddy. And there was a long silence. And that little boy, he was broken. And finally, he raised his voice in a trembling way. And she was getting up to walk out of the room. She said that, he said, that big sissy. (laughs) Next, attack the stronghold. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Be strong in what way? Be strong emotionally. Be strong emotionally. Listen, your emotions can be disciplined. Your emotions can be disciplined. You give yourself permission to allow your emotions to control and direct you. And it's all right to weep, it's all right to cry, and it's all right to lose it emotionally. We understand. But you don't camp there. You gain the discipline, strong prayerfully. Prayer helps you become strong emotionally strong in the focus and purpose of what it is you're called to do, strong in the word of promise, strong in the absolutes. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. 
strong in your ability to say, I will attack in prayer. I have no sword or no shield, but I have the weapon of prayer. And my prayer can break the stronghold. Joshua 3, 7, the Lord said to Joshua today, I will exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. I will exalt you. Others will know who I am and God will be exalted. There is no failure to those who are following God. Finally, finally, trust God. We used to sing that old song of the church, He's All I Need. He's All I Need. Do you know how many people before us truly believe that? Do you know how many times revivals went for weeks and weeks and weeks from people coming and getting the altars and seeking God's face? Do you have any idea how many people that were poor and broken that came into the church and because of the fire of God through the message of revival that there's hope and signs and wonders took place of how revival began to move in a dynamic way and people really believed he's all I need. There are some people that you know, some grannies that I've had in my church that you couldn't rock them. Edith Hicks, you could not rock Edith Hicks no matter how hard you try because she's a diehard that says, hey, he is all I need. I trust God. Job said it this way, if you take everything that I have, And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Some of you this week may have to put this message to the test. Some of you have already put it to the test. Trust me, as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off in stand up in a heap all the other efforts are useless unless we really do believe god can intervene carefully the text says as soon as the priest the priest represented spiritual authority that was the old testament do you know who the priest is in your life you do you know who the priest is in your family? The high priest of your family, of course, is Almighty God. But it's the man who says, hey, the umbrella of protection in the high priest model is found for that man of God who will say, sweetheart, join hands with me and let's pray for Junior over there. He might be out drinking. He might be out carousing. But there's a mark on him that was marked by the power of the Holy Spirit that no matter where he's at and no matter where Junior goes, if he's going to slide dance, God will get in there and slide dance with him. But the bottom line is he ain't going anywhere to get out from the spiritual oversight of the God that we dedicated him to. Who's going to do that? Who's going to do that? I don't have time to do that. And that's why so many things are going undone is we're not willing to trust God with it. He says, stand there. It's backed by their actions. Our belief in God's intervention is supported by what we allow our minds to think. We're going to make it. We're going to do it by how we respond to disappointments. 
how we respond to disappointments and what we say in critical times. And what we say in critical times, what you say when you're under pressure is usually what's in your heart. You can blow smoke when everything is doing real well, but you put a little pressure on you and you push it and God will find out what kind of trust is in your heart. You reach the place to where, hey, I got myself in trouble and God puts a little pressure on you. You'll find out, do you have what it takes? I've been through that. I'm not preaching stuff here under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I don't believe because I have followed the pattern of my life and my ministry. And I've looked back over these years now, coming up on 50 years of being a credential minister. And this was my mantra. This was what it was. When other people quit, I kept going. When other people left because nobody showed up, I was there. When other individuals got weary and well-doing, I said, by the grace of God. I said to Sharon, getting ready today at about 3.30 to come back to church. I said, boy, it's been a tough week last week. I said, this time last week, I was dreading. This time last Sunday, I was dreading the coming week. I said, now I'm dreading the coming week now. She said, that's all right. Oh, wow, it's amazing. And then I said, but you know what? Dreading it is not going to do anything but mess with your mind. By the grace of God, I came through last week. And by His grace, I'm coming through next week. Amen? There's no telling what I'm going to look like when this plastic surgeon is done. Good Lord, have mercy. Can you imagine that? So here's the kind of faith we need. Would you stand to your feet? Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. <laughs> Under the gun, Nebuchadnezzar appreciated them. Well, I got to do what the law says. They said in unison, we don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. If we're thrown into that blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But I want you to know that our faith is not superficial, it's deep. If he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Live, die, sink, or swim. We know in whom we have believed. And he is enough. If we watch our step, God will prevail. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing that song. If you need God to some way or another infiltrate in to where you're at right now and just give you a little extra touch of his Holy Spirit, you slip down to this altar right now. Would you do that? And we're going to pray for you. We're not going to wait on you. We're not going to beg you. 
Because if you come freely, God will freely touch you. Here we go. You come as God moves. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, your word does not return void. We spoke the word of God and delivered it from our heart. You laid it on our heart. It is fire, it is wisdom, it is truth, it is food, it is revelation power. It is the presence of God through the spoken word. And God, that word of God that was spoken tonight May it find a resting place in our hearts. And if we have to draw on the resource of that word this week, then you prepared us before we ever hit the place that we needed to say, can I make it? Before we ever got to the place that we had to make a big decision at the crossroads of life or a season that we're in, you've already prepared us. And here's what we know, Father. There are those that we read about out of the Old Testament and those that we have right here in the church that we could share their testimony. They've been there and they declared, oh Lord, if you deliver us and bring to pass a miracle, we're gonna shout to high heaven. But if you don't, we're gonna still shout to high heaven, whatever your divine will is. I pray that you would impact us, anoint us, revive this church, Father, so many families need a revelation of your power and your wisdom and your anointing. God, let us get deep into the recesses of the Holy Spirit. Let us get deep in the heart of God, in the Word of God, and not give up. Let us be individuals that blaze a trail with a pioneer spirit to say, God, what you did once, you can do it again and again and again. And we claim that promise 
I pray you'd bring healing in this house. Pray you'd let divine unction of anointing rest over every family. I pray again for every mom, every lady in our church. Lift them up by the authority of your word. There's nothing that's impossible with you. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. And everybody gave the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Would you do that? Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great, great evening.